If you were raised in a multicultural household, you may have a lot in common with today's guest. So continue listening and compare notes. Need a judgment-free zone when it comes to your financial life? Bienvenida to the Her Dinero Matters podcast, a bilingual podcast for today's Latina who typically thinks English but feels her Latina culture through and through. I am your host, Jen Hempel, and each week we have down-to-earth money conversations from people in La Comunidad Latina that will leave you with more confidence and inspiration to help you take control of your money. Lista? Let's do it. ¿Qué tal? How's it going? Thanks so much for being here. This is Jen Hempel, your host. Today, we are going to explore being raised in a multicultural household. And for that, I've got another powerhouse Latina for you. Es una mujer increíble. She's an incredible woman. In today's episode, you're going to learn the money lessons she learned growing up in that multicultural household and what she did with her first paycheck, as well as her tips in clarifying your own value and worth. And she's got a lot of golden nuggets there. Let me share with you a little bit about Minue Yoshida. Chased and found by her mission of helping others and being reminded of their full potential and capabilities to achieve extraordinary things, Minue Yoshida introduces a fresh perspective on public speaking, leadership, and assertive communication in the workforce and businesses. After 20 plus years in training and development in various countries, including Mexico, Brazil, Argentina, and Puerto Rico, she discovered that the key to success is to build a consistent personal brand, leverage our multicultural strengths, and challenge the status quo while being our authentic selves. Through her coaching and consulting services, she helps individuals and groups be creative, disruptive, proud, and very brave. Lista? You ready? Vamos a conocer a Minui. Let's go meet her. Bienvenida, Minui. Estoy emocionada tenerte. I'm excited to have you here. Thank you so much. I am excited to be here as well. Thanks for the invitation. Well, I'm excited to get to know you. I've heard fantastic things about you. And I wanted to start off with getting to know you more intimately in terms of your money story. So tell us about how you grew up. What did you see? What did you hear? What did you experience in regards when it comes in terms of conversations, observations, all that good stuff? So I, I grew up in a, uh, in a multicultural household. My father's Japanese and my mother's Mexican. But there's something that they share in common with these two cultures, and it's the fact that the conversation of money, number one, does not belong to women. And this is almost like a culturally accepted. Obviously, on the newest generations are already questioning this because now they understand that this is not accepted because if we accept this, then we will always be dependent on the man of the house, right? And, and, and that's actually even the phrase that it's used, the man of the house, the breadwinner, you know, the, the one that brings all the support. And, and then the second thing is that it is also culturally accepted and almost like um, and ex expected that the man will go and work and the woman will be at home. And so then the woman becomes the administrator of that money. Uh, how very interesting thing to grow up like this, because 
I think it took me like 30 years to be able to talk about money <laughs> with my husband. And, and another thing that I grew up with is this thing of we don't have any money, we don't have any money. Now that I think back and I realize, well, we did go to private schools. We did go every year to vacation. We had four cars. So that, that thing, we don't have money. I think it was just a phrase that was used. I'm not saying that I grew up in, 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 a, in a rich family or anything like that. By all means, no. My family was maybe medium, medium low economy, economy wise. But what I'm saying is that we have some clothing and some food in our plates. And so I think the conversation of money could have existed, right? And then just explain to us, when you say I have no money, what do you mean? And what they meant is we have priorities, right? Mm-hmm. That's what they meant. The, the, what they meant is, yeah, no, uh, you have a pair of shoes and a, and a pair of sneakers so you can run and that's enough. And, and I think they were trying to teach us to be mindful and, and to value what we have and to be frugal. That could have been the conversation, you know, that, that, that should have been the proper words. Hey, we, we don't have enough for you to have the latest and greatest and let's go to Europe all together and all that. No, we didn't. And that's okay. And we could have then say, what do you want to do? Do you want to go to, I don't know, one of my dreams was to go to Japan since I was, since I was oh. a child. And I remember, you know, cousins of mine and friends of mine going. And I was, always thought, why can't I? Well, I wish my father would just say, okay, so I have money for your school and your books, not to send you to, to Japan, but do you want to go? This is what you need to do. So that, that conversation never happened until I figured it out. And, and, and growing up, I was like, but I want that. So something that did happen in my household was the conversation of the, we have a, a, something that is called El Domingo, which is the, the Sunday allowance. And so my father will give us maybe like a dollar or two, right? So it was not too much, but it was significantly enough to say, oh, with this dollar, I'm going to do this now. From one to five dollars, like if I put the, the equivalent right now, if we will polish the shoes, if we will collect the newspapers in the house, if we will wash the cars, like just a little bit of something. It wasn't constant. It was just every time we're reminded, right? And then that was actually a fantastic thing, not growing up with uh, having everything because I've always been a person that when I want something, I, I think, what do I need to do to get there? So mm-hmm. I need money. I'm 17 or 18. It's not going to come from daddy and mommy. We don't even talk about that. So what can I do? Work, work. I uh, remember my, my first job was when I was 12 years old. And I was a babysitter. Can you believe it? Now, now that I have a child, I think I would never hire a 12-year-old. Not even I kid. started babysitting at 10. Like right. that. And, and I was babysitting newborns. And I look back, I'm like, I don't know how. Right. And, and, I, was, and I would get these $20 bills. And I'm like, yes, you know. Exactly. And it was, it was a big deal. But now, yeah, I don't, you know. Yeah, now I'm thinking, I, like, I didn't even know about like, you know, CPR and all those stuff. It's like, well, how did I do this? And then I'm very grateful because, uh, you know, you can, can see this in, in many ways. You no, know, the universe, the cosmos, God, however you want to put it. But we all have uh, protecting angels around us to help us achieve that goal and not thinking about all the accidents that couldn't happen and all that. No, So anyway, I mean, it happened. And I remember on my first paycheck, my boss, the, the mom that was uh, asking me to take care of the three kids said, what do you want to do with that money? And I remember saying, I want to buy a camera, an, an Instamatic camera, <laughs> the one that you could just like, and then you got the next one. And I, I just wanted one. I did the same thing. <laughs> you did as well, the camera? Yeah, but because that was, it was a big deal because it was 
through, it was a combination of doing the school because we were in the States already, but doing the school fundraisers. And if you, I don't know if we were selling the uh, famous big chocolate bars, I don't remember Mm -hmm. what they're called or whatever. And then with certain amount of points, you can get certain things. Or if you didn't have enough points, you would add a dollar amount to be able to purchase that. So I had my eye on that camera. That was my thing. Oh, that is so funny. <laughs> yeah, me too. And I remember that, uh, you know, the, the, the rolls were very expensive. So um, yeah. I could only take, you know, 12, 24 and 36. And uh, and I remember saving my money to get it, my 36 roll. And I was very careful into what photos I took because then I had to print them. And that was also very expensive, right? I couldn't just print any. But it was my first portrait with, with money because now it was mine and I worked for it. And I understood at that age, oh, if I want something, I can do it, right? And I think it has nothing to do with necessarily the money aspect of it. And I, I think of it right now, in, in this age right now, in, the, in wherever we are, is that anyone that can understand the simple principle of I have a talent or I'm good for something and I can capitalize on it, you've got it. You've got it. It doesn't really matter what. Now that I do sessions in public speaking, one of the things that I equate this to is if you have a gift, it's for a reason. And the reason is not for it to be a a nice thing to have, no? It's to put it at the service of others. Mm-hmm. If you put it at the service of others and it's a gift, which means it's extremely easy for you, can you now believe on the second part, which is can you live out of that? Can you live on it? Can you live of taking photos? Can you live off taking care of children? Can you live off cleaning shoes? The answer is yes, by the way. It's just that people don't understand it and don't believe it. I always give this example of um, bake my Melissa. These are cupcakes. Can you live off cupcakes, right? There's a woman that we met in one of the workshops, Karina, and she does, she does plan. And um, that was one of my first questions to her is, do you think you can live out of this? And she goes, maybe, yes. And then at the end, yes, of course you can. I just bring your logo, put your stickers in, in each of this, come to an event and bring little boxes and, and let me sample your flan. And she goes like, but, but it's so easy for me to do. And we had another girl that, that was doing flan. And I was like, if it's easy for you, it doesn't mean that it's easy for the world. It's just a gift that you have, just as we all have different gifts. It's for me, you give me a microphone, it's easy for me when other people are dying out of this, no? So what do I do with that? First, I believe, and then I capitalize on that. And that's the first part is what I think get get people stuck into this. After that job, I realized, oh, this is what I can do with money. Yay. So I know what I can do. So at 16, I took my first job in a Japanese store. The name was Tadaya. And this was recommended by, by a cousin of mine, uh, Juna. And so then we started working in, in this Japanese store. And oh my God, I learned so much, so much, even from Japanese words and all this stuff, but mostly working hard. And then we, we were there for a while. And then I worked for my first four months. Oh, no way. Then I gave classes and school. And it was the joyful, the most joyful job I've ever had, teaching fifth graders. I loved it. It was one year of that. I was very happy in the school that I was in. And then I got my job in my first global corporation. It was the company that broke the monopoly of telecommunications in Mexico. It was done by Telmex and, and it was the one and only. So then MCI came to Latin America 
and started the first company to compete with this, with the monopoly called Telmix. And there I was with my first like humongous paycheck. Some of the things that I, that I learned, I really don't know where I got this from, but my first check, I gave it to my parents. And I am a firm believer of sharing your blessings kind of as a ritual, but also as an honor code. And now as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, as a colleague, as an alliance mm. of many other companies, I always say that share those blessings. If you are going to refer someone to me, I should give you a referral fee and we should talk about this. Mm-hmm. I knew about this, but I don't think that I was good at that until two very nice things happened to me in terms of um, of honoring that, that referral. Uh, a colleague of mine, Lucy, remember she said, here's your check. And I remember saying like, no, 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 we're, we're, we're colleagues. And she said like, no, here's your check. And you should do the same for every single person that you work with. And it's like, oh, it's so true. And sharing that those blessings, I even mm-hmm. with, with, with Jai that we work with, my coach, Jackie Camacho, is always sharing this with me and say, if I have a client, she does um, uh, video production and she does, she has three companies. So she does uh, uh, publishing books and she also have a marketing company. So she has clients that do the production to promote themselves. So, and she says, you know what? Can you give them one coaching on public speaking in front of camera? And uh, and I'll share with you. So is this thing of you have something that can help me? I can have something that can help you. Could we share the blessing and the wealth? And so the answer is yes. And that's another thing that I took from my younger years. Honor every time that you work with someone, even if the person said, no, I'll do it for free. It's a favor. It's a favor. Yes. Thank you for the favor. Yes, I accept a discount, but let me pay you. Let me honor that. Have you noticed, uh, Jen, that the majority of the times when you have friends, the first thing they ask is, hey, I want to hire you. Can you give me a discount? Can you do it for free? Yes. You notice that? yes. And you say, wait, you are my friend and I'll do it gladly because I love you. But shouldn't you, as my friend, be saying, let me help you grow your business. Let me help you. And culturally speaking, we don't talk about this, right? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. So um, that's another thing that now that I've become an entrepreneur, now I talk about these things and I'm more and more comfortable every time saying, let's work together. If we have three apples and we're three, each of us get an apple. Are you cool with that? Right. Just like that. I think the conversation on money is a simple. It should be simple. Yeah. We just make it very difficult. Right. Just because we have that fear inside us. We're lacking confidence, which you help in terms of speaking, speaking confidently. And I wanted to ask you, because these are all some great points, and, but I'm, I'm also curious, just you came from a multicultural household as I, I was, I was born in Colombia. My dad was el gringo, no? <laughs> and, and then we moved to the States and it's uh, with Latinas here in the U.S. We've got these just interesting dynamics because we have the Latinas that were born here in the U.S., we have the Latinas that were primarily raised in the U.S. Like me, I came here at eight years old. We have other Latinas that maybe just came here. So I'm wondering in the, I'm not sure when you came to the States so officially, like what were some of maybe, I don't know if shock is the right word or things that were challenges in terms of how money was seen in Mexico versus how money was seen and perceived when you moved to the U.S.? I'm curious, did you see anything or experience anything? I came here 16 years ago and I did not notice the change in the conversation, sadly. 
I did notice a change in the conversation related to um, maybe, yes, more confidence on, on women asking for maybe the next job or all that. Sadly, the situation of gender inequity is the same. The situation of asking for more money is the same. Uh, we are not taught to negotiate, to ask for the salary that we deserve. Mm -hmm. There was one thing that was a very big shock for me that I had to learn and that now I teach on my workshops. When I came to the U.S., my first job after getting my, my working permit, which was another thing, right? I was an illegal alien. I was like, oh my God, let's begin with that. Uh, it's already tough. And my first job, they did not understand the university I was coming from. I found that, that the U.S. had a very, how would you say this, elitist okay. perception when they hire you. So mm -hmm. almost like what university you're coming from and not what talents you bring to the table. Mm -hmm. And even if the university, like for example, in Mexico, because I've experienced this with my family, not me personally, but of them having gone to these really great and fantastic universities, it's not understood the the quality of the education necessarily, right? It's not necessarily understood. So therefore, it's not valued as much. I don't know if you experienced that, but that's what I've I've seen. Personally, I haven't experienced myself because mm -hmm. I've been here since I was eight, but it's, it's interesting. So I, I do have to say that, yes, they ask you where you're coming from, but the process for hiring someone is like, all right, you're coming from a good school, check. But it's just one check. It's not that check. It's not mm -hmm. like here. Oh, you're, or, you know, Harvard, Yale. Oh, then, then you're in, regardless of what you do and, and what you can do. So, yes, it's taken into consideration, but it's not it, by the way. It's not like that. It, again, it helps, and that's it. But, you know, Universidad Nacional Autónoma de, Me de México, the, the mm -hmm. national university, it's... It is very prestigious. And their education in, in many of the careers, it's, it's fantastic. It's really fantastic. Politecnico Nacional, the same thing. So the universities in, in, in Mexico are very good, public and private. One of the first things that I noticed here is that they have no idea where I was coming from, nor I cared to demonstrate, but they were clueless. And I'm thinking, my university is the university where the president studied. And in the United States, they had no idea what is what. Is what. It's like a, a very narrow or closed vision of the world. So that's one. The second thing is they have no idea what I studied because I studied pedagogia, which doesn't mm -hmm. exist literally here, which would be the equivalent of business education. So that was another thing that they didn't understand. But the last thing that really shocked me was that when they asked me how much money you want to make, I actually provided a whole comparison of the lifestyle and the cost of living in the United States and in Mexico to request for the salary that I, I knew I was worth. I came to the U.S. being the equivalent of a maybe associate VP of uh, the regional or four countries, Brazil, Argentina, Mexico, and Puerto Rico, for AOL, for the internet company in uh, member retention, and then I established the, the, the quality systems for the call center. We were monitoring people and literally auditing their calls and giving them a, a quality assurance, uh, passing or not passing, right? We had a beautiful office in, in a beautiful building in Mexico City, very prestigious place, Torres Esmeralda, no? And, and then I come to the U.S. and you become nobody because mm -hmm. they do not understand what is the equivalent. And so when they offer me my salary, It was way beyond what I was making. 
And so then when I when I said, wait a minute, uh, but this is this is way lower. You know what the recruiter said? You should be happy that you have a job. If I were you, I will take it. Oh, wow. But oh, wow. but this was 16 years ago. Mm-hmm. I was new in this country. I had no idea. And I said, OK, see, now as a public speaking coach and as a motivational speaker, I am on a mission of telling everybody and their brother, if you're coming to this country, don't let anybody tell you this. But in those mm-hmm. days, nobody nobody told this to me. And I took it, right? So I took a cut. And then it took me a long time to go all the way up, back to corporate vice president, which was my last position in New York life. And I have to say something that we have a saying. And this one, yeah, maybe you will ask me because it's kind of hard to come to, to translate. But el perico donde quieras verde. No? Okay. So when you're good, it doesn't matter where you are. If you have to start all over, start all over. Don't be afraid. Be courageous. No, it's not going to kill you. It's not going to kill you. If you were, you know, rich, famous with an office, da, 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 wherever you are and you have to start, start because guess what? You're going to make it again. That's it. it Absolutely. It, it's, a, it's a matter of character and, and temperament and discipline and hard work. It is a lot of hard work. And so the, the other thing, Jen, that, that I discovered in terms of money is that even when you ask for that money and you're not given that money, it doesn't take away the fact that you have to keep fighting for it and question it and move. I cannot get it from here. I'll get it from somewhere else. I cannot do it here. I'll find another way. So why do you think that Latinos are fantastic in this country? Because we get two and three jobs and because we work harder. It's 11 o'clock. I'm working. It's two in the morning. I'm working. I'm working. We, we are just hard workers and, and, and we know what it takes. So I would just say, keep working. I would just say to, to, to the audience that, that is listening to this, keep working. And if you need to figure it out into what do I need to get to that amount, you will make it, by the way. It's, it's a matter of really believing. Sounds cliche, right? Believe in yourself and you'll get there. No, no, but that leads to confidence, right? right? So you have to believe, you have to be confident. And I strongly believe that confidence is what keeps you moving because you're going to have obstacles in life. It doesn't matter. Everybody's going to go through something, right? And it's if you have that confidence, if you continue to build that confidence, you're going to get through and bust through that obstacle. Exactly. No, no question. So is confidence a one single thing? The answer is no. No, confidence is a set of skills. And, and it's a group of things that you learn how to do that are literally translated into small behaviors in the day-to-day basis. That's it. It's small behaviors, right? So when somebody asks you, how much do you want to charge? Inside of you, you know, 10,000. But outside, it comes to like 500. So that's the thing. What is confidence there? Confidence is what to go back one step and say, why wouldn't you say 10,000? Well, because I don't know. See, so that that's the hesitation. That's when you have to come back and say, I'm worth this. Mm-hmm. So what are you worth? Then now that you know what you're worth, now say it. After that, if, if somebody wants to offer a discount or, or something like that, that's a different story because now, now you're in another place. Okay, yes, we can have discounts, we can have this, we can have that. But the initial conversation should be what you're worth and what you want. I became confident through time, Jen, because if you ask me, were you always confident? No, definitely not. And, and that's why I tell people, I'm the best coach you can have. You know why? Because I'm not starting from the point where I cannot understand what, what you're going through. Definitely not. I, ne- I was awful negotiating my salary. I was awful negotiating my bonus. One time I asked 
So we found out how much my counterpart was making. And when I found out that he was making $20,000 more than I was, I was like, that's a lot of money. So then I asked our VP, excuse me, do you know why this guy is making more than I am? When everybody knew that I was working harder, and I'm not afraid of saying that, I'm quite confident of proving that. She said, it's because of tenure. So Hmm. we are still in a society of tenure and not pay by performance. Yeah. And sometimes I have heard, because I've been out of the nine to five corporate world since my babies were, my babies, my my boys were, were born. But I had another interview and when she went to negotiate and she's like, you know, those persons, I don't know if she approached it this way. Bottom line, they were paying another, a male more than her at the same, doing the same work. But it was because in their eyes, the male was providing for a family, right? And because of that, they needed to pay him more because of however many kids or that those responsibilities. And so she stuck up, you know, stood up and I'm, so what do you want me to have kids now? And, you know, you'll pay me more, you know, things of that sort. <laughs> so it's also the perception. Before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you. I think it's, it's changing, but as Latinas, we need to stick to our guns and we need to, like you said, understand what we're worth and being confident. And I wanted to address too, with confidence, you can be confident in certain areas in your life and in other areas, you're, maybe you're not confident. So you need to know what areas of your life you need to work on to become more confident. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And because it's, it's a work in progress. Like I've been in times in my life where I was not very confident in certain areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's a work in progress and you just have to definitely keep at it. Yes. Now what, so you, you, you did mention some tips because you, you do coaching on speaking, public speaking and how to speak confidently. You talked about what uh, little things that you can do in terms of really addressing right away what you're worth, how much you want to charge. Are there any other tips that whether you're having that conversation to negotiate a uh, pay raise or uh, maybe a conversation with your partner, because we know having a conversation around money can be scary because you don't want to end up fighting. But so what do you, what are some tips where you can communicate more effectively and more confidently and just with ease in those situations? Yes, of course. So I'm going to divide this in two because one is as an employee and the other one is as an entrepreneur. As an employee, the tips are do your homework because you're expecting somebody else to tell you how much you can make. And guess what? You have the tools to find that out. It used to be illegal to ask for people's salaries. And guess what? It's not anymore. So do your homework and ask. The other thing is there's Glassdoor. Have you heard of it? Mm-hmm. Go there and just find out what's the range. Third, ask your friends. You know, you have people doing the same job that you ask. It's like, okay, give me a range. If you don't want to tell me exactly because you're whatever reason, then give me a range. How much do you think? And so then the second thing, ask your boss. They know how much more you can do. And if they don't want to tell you an amount, then ask for a range and say, hey, Mary, you as my boss know how far I can go in terms of salary. Instead of me coming here and try to negotiate a ridiculous amount that you're going to say no, why don't you give me a range and help me figure this out together? So the responsibility of your next salary is not just yours or hers, 
or his, right? But it's both of you. But you have to actively and aggressively ask for this and say, Mary, I want more money. I need more money. I need whatever, $5,000 more. So instead of us having this dance of coming and going and coming and going, I just want to know one thing. Do you think I can make this? Do you think I can do it in six months? So you put the time frame, not your boss. Don't wait for anyone to come and give you the range and the time frame. And no, they're not going to do it for you. And it's not because they don't care about you. It's because they have many things to do. But your salary is your responsibility. So the first thing is own that responsibility. It's yours. So how much money do you need? And you cannot go to request a salary by saying just a little bit. Okay, that's ambiguous. You need to say exactly how much you want. I need $3,420 more dollars or whatever amount you need, right? And then say, is it possible? Because if your boss said, eh, it's possible, fantastic. Is it possible in six months? Oh, no, in six months, no, but maybe on the next review. Fantastic. When is the next review? On March. What day on March can I check on you or can we check together to know if I can make this? Okay, on March 14th. Fantastic, March 14th. Good. Now, I'm going to take these five steps to ensure that I'm worthy of that amount. Are you okay with this? Right? And then your boss will say yes or no. Okay, no. What am I missing? Right? Ask those questions. What in your eyes would make me worthy of the 10%, 5%, $5, whatever it is that you're asking for? And put it in writing because that is a conversation that should go in your performance evaluation. You are in charge of your performance evaluation. So you have to put, my goal by next March 14th is to make 3,500 by doing these five things. So this is all about smart goals. We all have heard this left and right. So just apply it to you and the money that you want and the money that you deserve. So do your homework, find out how much you want. I love that. And I love those key questions. It's about asking those questions. And sometimes we just, like you mentioned, we are kind of ambiguous. But if we know, have the clarity on the key questions, and I love those key questions that you ask, that will help because those knowing what questions to ask will get you the answers that you need. Mm -hmm. So you proceed forward. Good, good. And you have to put yourself in the position of your boss, right? You cannot come and say like, he's not fair. Johnny have this money. Like don't go to this type of conversations, complaining about others and comparing yourself to others. Yes. It's part of your homework to compare, but not to complain with your boss about this. Right. Cause guess what? The majority of the times it's not even your boss's problem or, or your boss's responsibility, or, or maybe the person was like this when your boss took over the job and they can't do anything about it. I mean, there's thousand circumstances. So it's not about mm -hmm. others. It's you, you, this is what I want. Can you help me? So have your boss be a partner with you on this process. Don't hold them responsible. It's not their job. It's your job to get there. You right. know, and that's something that I never understood until the end when I realized, oh, wait a minute, what do I want? And how much can I make? And, and, and what do I need to do? Right. I don't think I ever asked those proper questions. So again, it's, it's all about learning from mistakes that we've made. And I wish somebody would have told me this when I was in my twenties, right? Or thirties. <laughs> that would be fantastic. I think I would, <laughs> I would have been in another place, right? But I didn't have that. Another thing is, um, interesting thing. I didn't have a coach until I left the company because they assigned a coach to me. I don't think I was aggressive enough to ask for a coach. Request a coach, ask for a coach, demand a coach. You deserve a coach and you deserve for the company to pay for this coach. They have the money. So have that conversation because 
money conversation. It's not necessarily just monetary, but can they send you to training, right? And so right now I have a, a program called the Confident Public Speaker. I need $700 for six sessions. When you think about this, maybe an employee would say, oh my goodness, I don't have the $700. Okay, so you don't have, you don't have enough to pay for $116 for a class. Got it. Your boss does have the money. Your company could sponsor you. Mm-hmm. Have you thought of asking them? And mm-hmm. it's a very simple conversation. Hey, Mary, John, I know you want the best for me. If I learn about public speaking, most likely, and it's, I'm guaranteeing you this right now, your leadership skills would improve. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a fact because you learn how to convey your message in a better way. You learn how to speak up. You learn how to balance between the different types of communication and you become more assertive. So yes, it will impact your leadership skills for sure, right? So do you want me to grow in that area? The answer will be yes. I hope it's yes, right? If it's no, then you have an issue with your boss. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I hope the answer is yes. And when the answer is yes, is would you sponsor me? So money is also investment in your own growth. Mm -hmm. But if you don't ask for it, what are you waiting for? Your boss to come and tell you, hey, look, Jen, I just found all these things for you. No, they have things to do. So own the responsibility of your boss investing in your future and your growth. That's as an employee. I love it. As an entrepreneur, then there's, there's the fact of you and your clients and then you and your partners. So you and your clients. The first, first thing that I learned as an entrepreneur is that I was definitely undercharging. Definitely. Because I had to go through my own process of understanding and believing my worth. And with time, people will come and tell me, and I'm not kidding, this sounds, again, cliche-ish. I swear I have people come in and tell me, you changed my life. Mm-hmm. After your workshop, my life improved in this, 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 and that way. And I wasn't even recording it. I didn't put it in any testimonials. I didn't write it down. I should have been writing this down for a long time ago. <laughs> I was like, I did? Really? Oh, my goodness. Right? And so... I heard it. Maybe I just didn't believe that Mm. I was capable of really helping someone take another route in their life and and really changing. And guess what? That's my mission. That's my mission. If you ask me, what do you, what do you work for? I work for every day helping one person and with one, I have enough. So Mm -hmm. by the end of the year, I have 365. I'm very, very happy. I fulfill my mission as a human in this world. I want to make this world a better place. Right? So Maybe I did not believe it, Jen, you know, maybe I wasn't understanding my impact. Yeah, because I, 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 I've been there because I've been there where I've started. You, you lack the confidence. You're starting out. You're like, am I really, you know, who am I to be doing this? Mm-hmm. And you question all those things. And even though you see uh, your clients make really great, fantastic strides, somehow you still question yourself, right? right? And but it's just some work that we have to do because I t- I too have undercharged and over time I th- it's also been a matter of building that confidence and confidently saying this is how much uh, coaching is versus you know kind of secretly shaking it's even though they may not see you or maybe you're on the phone confidence is really can be sensed mm-hmm. and how you're speaking and they don't have to necessarily see you. Don't you agree where you're conveying it? However, words you're saying out, if you're not really feeling confident in the price that you're charging. Absolutely. And it, because confidence, again, it's, it's a series of behaviors. Then it's manifested in your emails, in, yes. your, in your chats, 
mm-hmm. in the over the phone and mostly in person because 80 to 90 percent of what we do is body language yes so they can see it right so a big leap for me was first understanding how much and i did my homework you know i'm benchmarking other speakers are doing what what topics they have second thing is what makes you really valuable that's the second thing what what do you have that others don't have because everybody's unique in a certain way and that makes you be needed in different circumstances so what do i bring to the table a lot of things i've been i've been over 27 years in corporations three as a business owner starting from scratch so now i have the other side of the of the coin i have lived in different countries i have experienced different multicultural environments i i can i have a train in sao paulo in my portuguese portuñol right i can have a conversation in french i can so you, you just start making a list of the things that make you unique it doesn't mm. make you arrogant by the way which i confused a lot in the beginning mm. i used to say i'm bragging no 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 i'm not because i'm not saying i'm better than anybody else and i'm not saying that i'm all that and that i'm oprah i i never said that i just said i can do a b c d e f g factual right and that doesn't make you you know be, be bragging or showing off right so that's another thing is be able to pinpoint the value that you bring your uniqueness and what you can do for others without the fear of being judged because you're showing off or whatever like no 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 so you you got to stop that because guess what if you say it in a way that it's about servicing others it's not going to be taken in that angle right the third thing is that you really honestly have to be willing to do good for others do the right thing because the authenticity of your approach will always come through so if i tell you i'm going to charge you $7000 for a public speaking engagement it's because i want you to shine i don't talk about the 500 things that i'm going to benefit from i'm just telling you i'm going to make you shine your audience is going to be really motivated which is what you just asked me the call to action that you're asking me will happen i guarantee you that lives are going to be changed today inspiration is going to be and creativity is going to be brought out of this so honestly authentically focus on the service of others how are others going to be benefited by this talent that you have and that is a whole game changer because i honestly want to do good for others then i can say i was worth it i was worth it and i'm not afraid of charging it that's another change no And then the last step is to have clarity for yourself and say right now I charge this much. In a year I'm going to be a better professional, a better entrepreneur, a better human being because I'm going to learn about this other skill, right? So you trace this a plan of growth because it's not just free. It's not just next year I'm going to charge double and I'm not doing the work. No, do the work. I'm going to be a better entrepreneur, a better speaker, a better I'm working on my weaknesses as well. because i want to demonstrate that next year when i charge more it's because i'm a better person because i because i can do much more for you right and so it's a process of continuum growth in japan they call this kaizen the kaizen philosophy is the philosophy of continuous improvement one step at a time and it's cumulative so tomorrow i'm going to be just a little bit more than today tomorrow i'm going to strive for for maybe that skill that it's so hard Maybe I'm challenged with this, but I'm going to take that challenge and I'm going to make it happen. If you do this continuously, definitely next year you're going to be much better. 
So the conversation on money, it's how much you're worth, demonstrate that worth and ask for that worth. Now, Mm -hmm. with partners, I've gone through everything, (sighs) everything from learning that a verbal agreement does not make the cut. (laughs) You need to write it down. I'm not saying go to the paranoid way of, I won't work with you unless we sign something. I'm not saying go to that extreme. I am pretty much very Japanese and very Latina in that end. My Latina side will tell me, trust in people. Trust, Mm -hmm. just trust. Uh, Give your heart, right? Mm -hmm. Some people will ask you for, oh, let me pay you in 15 days. Very Latino, no? In 20 Mm -hmm. days, on Friday, on Saturday. Yeah, well, be flexible. That's my Latino side. I'm very, very flexible, extremely flexible. And guess what? I want to be that way. And people have told me, you shouldn't do that. You should always have a signed contract. Don't work with anyone if it's not written. Okay, then then my Japanese side comes to to hand. Our word has honor Mm. within it. If I say I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. That's me. If you decide not to because you don't want to honor your word, that's your problem, not mine. But I'm not going to fall into the thing of because we didn't have an extensive contract We're not going to work, not with me. I choose not to. And you can call me what you want because people have criticized me heavily with, ah, you know what, that's why people betray you. That's why people don't pay you. That's why, all right, then I'm going to call it a learning moment for me who to work with and who not to work with, Mm. right? But I want to believe that we are people of honor. Mm -hmm. Said that, yes, of course, I have contracts with the companies that I work with, right? I just uh, recently was hired by Unilever, I'm going to be delivering their uh, leadership program. And and of course, they sent me a written contract. There's an email going back and forth. I'm going to be the speaker for Unidos US in Washington on the 25th. And so, of course, they sent an agreement and all that. So, yes, it's a big corporation or a big organization. They send agreements. I sign all that. What I'm referring to as a business owner is all of those spoken contracts that are based on trust and honor. And it is possible. And I choose to live in that world. I have beautiful partnerships with with amazing people that just started in a, in a, in a diner, in a conversation in a diner. And we wrote it down in a post-it and in a piece of, of, of paper. Keep going for it, business owner. Don't get into this world of the paranoia of the paper and whatever. My advice would be choose your partners wisely, not based on how much fame they have of how much of how big their network is and how much money they make because those three things are just a facade Mm -hmm. choose your partners based on intention do they have the intention of a win-win situation they make money you make money they have new clients you make new clients and the intention cannot stop with jen i want the best for you i have a good intention that's not it Intention is action. Choose a partner that will demonstrate through actions, which is recommending you a client, sending your name, giving you a shout out in social media. I mean, that's how you and I met. Jay is constantly uh, giving a shout out and sending people and signing up. Jackie Camacho is another one that is always continuing doing that. Don't tell me you want the best for me. Demonstrate that you want the best for me. And that's the type of alliances that I will choose for my business. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, anyway, this has been fantastic. You've had so many words of wisdom here, so many nuggets. I appreciate you sharing 
this with us. I appreciate you, the example that you set for us Latinas. And of course, mm. las japonesas también. <laughs> <laughs> and I really do because we, we definitely need that. We need Latinas like you in the world. Uh, and that's my mission here with this podcast is to have the money conversation to really feature Latina so we can connect because there's going to be a Latina out there that is going to connect with your story, right? So I, that's my mission because once we have that connection and they have seen what you have overcome, they have seen what you have achieved, that's going to drive them, right? So that's my mission. So I really, really appreciate your time and the fantastic conversation that we had. On the contrary, I appreciate you and I appreciate everything that you are doing for the community. Thanks to people like you, we are breaking the mold of not talking about money and not having a conversation in a very casual way, which it should be. I really appreciate what you do for the community and for the world. Thank you Honestly. so much. Thank you. Gracias. ¿Qué pensaste? What did you think? I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed chatting with Minue. To connect more with her, you can go to, to her LinkedIn and look at or search Minue Yoshida, and I will have a link to that in today's show notes. So I'm curious what your favorite part of this chat was. I know I personally could relate a lot, being that I also grew up in a multicultural family. I'm not sure if you're aware of that. And... With my own family, like the family my husband and I have, is also multicultural. So growing up with my parents, of course, you know, I'm from Colombia and my dad's American. So when he went to live in Colombia, he didn't know any Spanish. My mom didn't know any or very little English. I don't even know how they communicated. But anyways, the communication of love, I guess. and. What I was going to say here, I got distracted there, but I did observe early on the differences. Of course, you're going to have differences in individuals regardless, but I noticed the differences where my mom was more of, we have to save, we got to save because she was brought up in a household where money was scarce or it was abundant and then it was taken away and it was scarce. And then my father grew up in a household that was middle class, but I think it was more relaxed, right? Where, uh, yes, everything's going to be okay. We'll work. We'll make do. We'll make money. It's all good. And I, growing up, I felt like that was part of the American culture. That was my interpretation. I don't know about you, but that was my interpretation where everything was just kind of relaxed living the American dream, everything's going to be okay because there's a lot of opportunities, right? So then now with my own family, my husband's African-American, and then I'm a mix <laughs> of these things of, uh, of Latina, white, and then my kids are definitely multicultural because they're just a complete mix of things. And um, there is definitely differences of how we grew up, me seeing two different cultures and their perspectives of money. Again, my mom was like, we have to work and work hard and earn money and save. And my dad was definitely about working hard, but was more relaxed in terms of things were going to work out. 
So I had those two different, very different perspectives. And then my husband's family was definitely worked hard, but they were all about giving, right? They were all about giving. And um, African-Americans actually have a long history of giving. So that's interesting. That is very relative to my husband's family. So because he was very uh, brought up in a household where it was like all about giving and I'm sure you have heard in past episodes where we clashed uh, early on in our marriage because he wanted to help out family and not that I'm not helpful. I do want to help out family, but I was looking at the finances and it didn't feel doable or it would have to be taken on emergency savings, the savings we worked so hard to build up, right? So I, I wanted to share that. So I'm curious to hear from you what, first of all, I want to hear if you grew up in a multicultural household and what did you observe were the differences? And do you think they were related to culture or just that they were just different human beings, just unique, their own person? So I'm curious to hear that because I know there is some differences in terms of culture, but there's also just the perspective of just being a, a unique human being, individual or an individual, if that makes sense. So I'm curious to hear from you on that, especially if you grew up in a multicultural household. I also want to remind you that in June, this podcast will be moved, right? So however, it'll still continue to be the Herd The Netto Matters podcast. It's just being relocated just a different location and the release date will be on Thursdays versus Fridays. So I just want to remind you of that I'll remind you again on next week, but I just want to, because we are going to be transitioning. I know things get hectic. So I just want you to be aware of that. So that is a wrap for today. Next week on the podcast, we will be meeting another Latina named Monica Rivera, and she will be sharing with us how she grew up in a household where one parent grew up with an abundance of money and the other parent grew up having to work hard. And so she's going to share us the lessons that she learned from the different perspectives of her parents. And it's a great, great episode. So you don't want to miss that. Also, I want to uh, thank Minue for joining us, for sharing her story, for sharing her wisdom. Um, Minue, it's much appreciated. Be sure to check out the show notes on where to find Minue over at jenhemphill.com forward slash HDM29. Also, don't forget if this episode or podcast has made an impact on you, I would greatly appreciate it if you share it with a friend, a stranger, a coworker, a family member, because you never really know what they're going through in their financial life, because they're just not going to tell you all their problems, right? So this particular episode or this podcast could be that motivating factor to get keep going, that factor to pick them up and give them inspiration to continue forward on their financial journey. So I appreciate you being here. Y nos hablaremos el próximo viernes. We will talk to you next Friday. Ciao.